commence primary ignition. You will find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. You must unlearn what you have learned. I'm looking forward to completing your training. Welcome to Coruscant Community College, a new podcast that focuses on studying Star Wars' text. I'm Craig Dickinson. And I'm Matt Leader. Uh, today on the show, we'd like to introduce ourselves to our listeners and to the greater Star Wars community. So we thought what might be a great idea is to interview each other. And so we've pulled some questions from some of our favorite podcasts, Full of Sith uh, and Coffee with Kenobi. And we're basically just going to ask each other some questions and kind of see um, what kind of commonalities uh, the two of us have. So Matt, I'm going to ask you first, what was your first exposure to Star Wars? So for me, it kind of goes back to the old VHS tapes of Star Wars, the mm-hmm. like, you know, the original trilogy. Um, I just remember um, throwing on those movies uh, constantly, rewatching them, rewinding, uh, and then rewatching them. And it was like that VHS three pack where it had all three movies in it uh, yep. and, you know, pulling them out. Um, so that's really like my very first memory of star wars is just watching those movies loving them um and then it kind of grew as soon as like the prequel trilogy uh started coming out and like as a kid growing up with that stuff that was amazing and i remember when phantom menace came out re-watching the movie every single day during summer uh, as a kid growing up so how about you what was your first exposure uh my first exposure was uh 1980 and uh, I've seen Empire Strikes Back. I remember it was a Sunday afternoon and my parents uh, took my brother and I and we had no idea what we were going to see. They were excited about it for some reason. I had no idea why. <laughs> and uh, yeah, being four, uh, didn't really know what was going on, but I knew that I liked it. I remember the snow at the beginning and I remember being very confused about Darth Vader dying on Dagobah and coming back. <laughs> but uh, we talked about that incessantly trying to figure out what it was hap- what was happening in that scene, uh, which is still, you know, a scene that people talk about and try and uh, understand. But yeah, that was my first exposure. And after that, I was hooked. Then it was getting the figures and all of those things. Yeah, just grew from there. Yeah. So what is your favorite movie if you have to pick one and why? So it actually kind of branches off nicely from the first part. My favorite one is uh, Return of the Jedi. It still is. I remember uh, the lead up to that movie. It came out in 83 and I was in first grade. And so that was the, it was the end of my first grade year and all the kids on the bus were talking about it and they were all excited about it. And by this point I was old enough to kind of know what was going on and had, you know, we've been talking about for at least a couple of years, you know, was Lando a good guy? Was he a bad guy? Was Darth Vader really Luke's dad? And that was kind of the big thing leading up. And then, I remember it, it came out on a Wednesday and we went uh, on Friday. I didn't get to go the first day, but a couple days after it. And I just remember the line literally being around the movie theater outside because you couldn't pre-buy tickets or anything and just being mm-hmm. blown away by that. Um, but my favorite part of that movie is my favorite scene in all of Star Wars. And that is 
the end where Luke is facing the Emperor and he's just pulls himself back from killing Vader and throws away the lightsaber and says, you failed your highness. That moment where he becomes the Jedi, that's that's my favorite part. Yeah. Awesome. I would have to say my my favorite is um, is honestly probably the original uh, A New Hope. Right. And I think it's just that that magic that started everything is is almost like inescapable. Like when you're watching that movie, you kind of see where everything started. You you just get sucked into the characters, into the story. It's such a beautifully simple story when you break it down, but it's just really well told. And I mean, how can you not love the original? Right. And I totally get with, because I, I love the, the ending of Return of the Jedi as well. Um, but if I had to choose one, I, I think it's got to be A New Hope for me. Um and you saw that one first, right? You said because of the, the yes. VHS stuff, that was your first one. So you saw them in release order. In, in release order. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was definitely my first one. I mean, I, I love all of them for different reasons. So right. to choose one movie is really hard. Sure. Uh, but I would have to go with A New Hope. Yeah. I remember I saw that obviously after Empire and I remember being confused <laughs> why people didn't, they didn't know each other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Okay, so let me ask you this then: which uh, which character is your favorite, and why? It's got to be Obi Wan, and it's not actually because of Obi Wan in A New Hope, even though um, you know he's he's a good character. But with all the expanded media, the Clone Wars, the prequels, uh, Obi Wan just has this kind of era spanning character arc where he just is he's almost kind of like uh the dad of the whole thing right sure where in the prequels he's you know trying to care for anakin and teach him and guide him and he he fails at that and then he finds luke and he's trying to teach and guide luke and it's arguably a little bit more successful uh but it's just he is I don't know how to explain it, but he's just like my favorite character. I just enjoy watching yeah. him. And I think a lot of that's the performance that Ewan McGregor does or, you know, the, the performance that he gives in the prequels is just spot on every single movie. In my opinion, he is the best actor in the prequel movies. Yeah. Um, and I just love his portrayal. And then, like I said, Clone Wars, uh, the, the Clone Wars just expands upon uh, Obi-Wan as a character. And it, he's just one of those really, really rich characters that you get in star wars how about you um you know it's changed over the years but it's i'm kind of comfortable i've come full circle it originally it was luke skywalker because you know he's the main character and the one that you're supposed to identify with and then mm-hmm. you know getting into high school i started to recognize how cool han solo was yeah and uh how sarcastic he was and you know that he kind of became the favorite but and then for a while it was it was Vader when the prequels came out. I really enjoyed watching, you know, Anakin's descent into darkness and the redemption arc and all that stuff. But it's you know, especially I think with the sequel movies that it's kind of come full circle that it's really it is Luke that he is the most interesting character to me. Um, he's the most relatable character to me, and you know they have that great moment in Last Jedi too when he faces down the entire First Order and that yes, you know, <laughs> it yeah it's. 
you know, it's, it's spine tingling. It's such a great moment. And he's, he just really is, I think what Lucas was trying to say uh, about heroes and it's complicated. It's not, you know, a lot, what a lot of people wanted, but I think it's, it's real. And I think that it's, it's something that we've seen historically in a lot of fiction. If you go, go back through it, that he is what a hero realistically is. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think, that he's someone that we can, you know, we look up to and aspire to be like. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I would say the same. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say that uh, I kind of feel the same way about like Obi-Wan where he has those kind of spine tingling moments um, when like uh, Satine dies in his arms, right? Mm-hmm. Such a tragedy and um, kind of that, that that wonderful story arc between him and Satine and and you see that really even though Obi-Wan is this cool and collected character he has his moments and stuff um and I I love Luke as well I uh, love that scene in Last Jedi so a uh, good choice I like that <laughs> what's what's your favorite collectible Star Wars collectible uh I would have to say and I've been doing this giving a lot of thought to this that it's probably still my Darth Vader case full of action figures from the early eighties mm-hmm. that I still have that it's, you know, it's in decent shape. Most of the, the figures are well played with and uh, my kids have have played with them as well. It's funny. I let them play with that more than I let them play with the new ones. <laughs> um, I don't know, but there's, there's definitely, you know, a sentimental uh, aspect to that as well. But I'd say that that, that is my favorite collectible. What about you? Sure. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one. Um, I don't have a ton of collectibles. I have a feeling that once I finally get to Galaxy's Edge and build my own lightsaber, that's probably mm-hmm. going to be up there. But I'm going to say a lot of the old EU novels. Um, sure. You know, uh, X-Wing series in particular. Just reading all those novels growing up um, really felt like an extension of like Star Wars was extending into other areas of my life, uh, not just the movies and stuff. Um, and so kind of kind of cheating a little bit. I uh, don't have a particular collectible that I'm, I'm really attached to, um, but just, just the novel, the novels that I read growing up, uh, I think had a big impact on my love of Star Wars. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great answer. Yeah. And yeah, that, I mean, the lightsaber, once I finally get to galaxy's edge, that's, that's my first stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my kids want to build a droid and that would be fun too, but like the lightsaber <laughs> is the thing that I must do. That's where it's at. Yes. Yeah. So what about any other favorite star Wars memories? Anything else that comes to mind? We haven't talked about yet. Yeah. For, for me, there is one memory that sticks out, which is when episode one, uh, came out in theaters, you know, it's debut, and uh, my dad pulled me out of school. He's like, whatever, nice. we're not going to school today. And nice. we went and saw the opening uh, for Star Wars, episode one. And that's probably one of my favorite memories. Um, just as like a kid, like, first of all, getting out of school is awesome. But then going to go see Star Wars before all my friends. Yeah, that was hands down, probably my favorite memory. How about you? Do you have any particular memory associated with Star Wars that you just really cherish? You know, um, it's, it's hard. I have several because, you know, it's been there my entire life. Um, I remember getting a bunch of 
toys on one Christmas, getting the the, the Dagobah playset and the X Wing, and uh, but one that what I, one that sticks out to me right now is is uh, the re release in '97. I was in college when that happened, and uh, I remember us trying to go the first night. I think it was on a Friday when it opened in my town, and and we couldn't get tickets, which was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The movie was 20 years old, and you couldn't get a seat. <laughs> Um, and so we planned on like, fine, we're just going to go the next day. And the first showing on Saturday morning was at around 1030. Uh, and we had been told that the previous night that tickets sold out hours ahead of time. So we're like, fine, you know, we're going to get there Saturday morning early. And so, you know, we got up at six, I think we were over there by six thirty, seven o'clock. And the next person outside of our group showed up about 10. So we were just sitting outside yeah. the theater for like three hours, just talking about Star Wars <laughs> and just going, how, why is no one else here? They should all be here. Um, <laughs> so that was just, you know, kind of goofy. It was, you know, that opening right. night was the big, was the big thing. And then, but after that, getting to, to get into that show and, you know, it became, I'd seen the movie hundreds of times by that point already. And so that really became almost like a game to pull out what was new. Mm-hmm. And I went, a couple of times to see that re-release in the theater and in each time it was like oh i picked out something else that i hadn't seen before and and uh it was just a lot of fun to see star wars come back like that oh yeah so what themes or messages in star wars speak or resonate with you and maybe how has that changed uh over the years of viewing star wars yeah so um thinking back i think everybody is in, is supposed to identify with with Luke Skywalker and and that whole uh, hero's journey thing, which we'll talk about at length. Obviously, um, that kind of a hero can come from anywhere. I think that's kind of the main uh, the main thing that's always spoke to me. That you you know Luke was just this regular farm boy and then had this great destiny. But you know, as I get older, the thing that really sticks out to me that really speaks to me uh, is the theme of redemption. Mm. Uh, that especially getting to see Anakin's journey, you know, Vader, when we first see him is, is very much this cipher that he's just this pure evil, bad guy dressed all in black. He's very obviously the bad guy, Um, but he becomes such a sympathetic character through the prequels. Uh, And you kind of, you, you feel for him. There's, there's empathy there. And so, you know, you root for that uh, at the end. And you, you, when you get to see uh, Hayden Christensen show up, you see the redeemed, Anakin Skywalker, that even this most evil guy has this potential for redemption, you know, that's a powerful thing. And I think that's the most significant message that speaks to me. What about you? Um, So there's kind of two themes that immediately jump out to me. And one of them is hope, which Mm -hmm. kind of, I feel closely ties with what you were talking about with this idea of redemption. Uh, But the other one that uh, stands out to me is this idea of kind of uh, anti-war, anti-violence that is kind of running throughout the movies. Uh, like the first instance is really when I, I, I think in Return of the Jedi, when Luke throws his lightsaber away and, mm-hmm. and says, you know, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to kill you. That's not who I am, which is also kind of mirrored in The Last Jedi when when Luke walks out and he defeats the First Order, not by fighting them. Right. but with essentially a projection of himself. And so there's this kind of anti-violence, anti-war theme running through the movies that I think is kind of unique. Uh, 
Um, you get the sense that the Jedi, they are meant to be keepers of the peace peacefully, which mm-hmm. is, I think, just a really interesting concept. And then in the prequels, you kind of have that uh, corruption of that ideal where it's like, instead of being keepers of the peace peacefully, they become generals. And that's when all the problems start, right? Exactly. When yeah. they start accepting that role of violence is okay in this case, you know, because we were provoked or whatever. Right. Uh, and I just think that's a, it's a very unique theme to have in kind of a big blockbuster film when a lot of films, I think kind of glorify the violence. And I think star Wars does that to an extent too, but uh, there is at least thematically this core, I would say of, of violence isn't the answer. And I just think that's really unique and really interesting. Yeah. Especially, you know, for a film with war in the title that, right. (laughs) You know, it's not something that you would expect. And, you know, we talked earlier about, um, you know, Vader being redeemed versus just being destroyed at the end, you know, exactly. Thanos doesn't have a change of heart at the end of Endgame. Yes. I mean, that's the typical way that we do this. So, yeah, Yeah. there's a lot to unpack there. So, I mean, we'll have some great discussions moving forward on that because yeah, that's all that stuff that's in there. It's, just kind of bubbling to the surface. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, just a quick aside, you know, people that see the last Jedi and I don't want to hate on anyone for their opinion, but, and don't recognize that that's the same Luke from return of the Jedi. I, I just don't see how you don't connect the two because those scenes are so similar with the anti-violence and yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, we don't want to set ourselves up with too many uh, hate emails early on, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll I completely, completely agree. And I think that there's, there's at least an attempt at thematic resonance between like return of the Jedi and last Jedi that even if it doesn't work for some people, which, you know, it may not work for some, uh, I think there was at least an attempt there. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So kind of along those lines, um, we've kind of talked about what, you know, Star Wars speaks, how it speaks to us and what it means to us. What do you think that people can learn from Star Wars? Not messages, filmmaking, just anything. What what do you think right. people can learn? So aside from kind of the larger thematic, which we just touched on, um, yeah. I think that like just as an example, A New Hope is just a really good example of kind of classic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the characters shine through. Um, like you get who Han is, you get who Luke is, you get who Leia is. Um, and then it builds off of that in the successive stories. Um, in home blanking on the name. That's all right. Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> in the Force Awakens, JJ does a great job of, of introducing Ray and Finn in mm. these great moments where there's not a lot of dialogue but you get a sense of who they are as characters. So I think there's just a lot that you can pull as far as storytelling, as far as filmmaking, as far as uh, narrative writing. Uh, And you can kind of pull those little strands out and kind of examine them and see what the creators were trying to do and how successful they were. Cause obviously they have been very successful. So I think there's a lot you can learn from a kind of narrative standpoint from the movies. Sure. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, when I when I started thinking about this question, um, I didn't intend for it to go this way, but it really does flow nicely into, you know, why we teach Star Wars, why we use it in class. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and some of the things that we pull out. And the reason that I show episode four first is because it does have that economy of storytelling. You know, it it really encapsulates everything that you need to know in such a tight little package. I mean, people have talked about uh, the Obi-Wan speech to Luke about the force and how it's right. you know, three sentences and that's all you need to know. Right. You know, and then you have that in the very next scene, you know, editing wise, you have Vader using the force and it's the more I watch it, the more I see just how well structured it is. Like you'd mentioned, yes. you know, the characters are so clearly developed. Their motivations are very clear. Um, the editing is very good. It's, you know, it's a simple, but it's, you know, deceptively simple. There's so much uh, that you can pull out. You know, it's interesting that uh, in the time frame when it came out, you know, in the late 70s, that people didn't really watch movies multiple times and mm-hmm. with rare exceptions, but people were watching, even then in the theater, people were watching this movie hundreds of times uh, and it holds up, you know, it had to have been, it really does. Yeah. It had to have been so um, intentionally and well constructed to be able to hold up to those things. And then, you know, there's things we can talk about plot holes and those kind of things, but for the most part, I mean, the thing just has such a rewatchability uh, that's, it's just amazing. Well, and to kind of build off of that, you know, that that classic storytelling structure is very similar to Hero's Journey, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Which gets brought up anytime you talk about narrative in Star Wars, but it's true. Um, and just kind of, you, you think of like the classic story structure, uh, what's it like, Freytag's Pyramid, right? Right. That that fits so easily into A New Hope. Like you can so clearly, you can so clearly see the story beats of the rising action and how things are progressing. Yep. Uh, and you're absolutely right with like the Obi-Wan. And then uh, the next scene is Vader using the force. It's just super well-constructed. I think there's a lot that you can learn just from a, like a, a simple storytelling perspective mm-hmm. from yeah. this. Yeah. It's really a very well-told narrative. And that's you yeah. know, one of the big reasons that we can, you know, justify using that in a language arts class that it's, you know, it's a good story first. Yes, absolutely. So speaking of that, how did you get into teaching? So I actually came to teaching kind of late. Um, I got my, uh, my bachelor's degree is in English and uh, I pretty much picked English cause I was good at it more than anything else. I enjoy reading and writing always have. And uh, at a certain point, I remember thinking, All right, I'm going to choose to either take a lot of tests or write a lot of papers. And uh, <laughs> I don't mind taking tests, but to have the ability to just write a paper and turn it in and be done versus I have to show up this morning and perform. Yeah, I will take the writing every time. Um, so, yeah, English has always been something I enjoyed. I've always, like I said, always liked to read, always liked to write. But I had no intention of teaching, which is kind of funny. I mean, I went to college because that's kind of what you did. Right. Uh, and when I was done with my bachelor's, a lot of my peers, um, they went right back into the teaching program like that very next year. But I was just done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was done for about a decade. And then so I did other things. I sold paint. And I worked on ATM machines. And then my wife actually encouraged me to finally just go back and do it. Cause it was, you know, something that had just always kind of lingered in the background is something that I could do. And, and yeah. so about, yeah, about a decade later, I, I went back to school and um, I wasn't the oldest guy in the, in our cohort, but I was pretty close. Uh, but it was, mm-hmm. 
you know, it was like going home in a way, yeah. you know, school was always something that I enjoyed. And uh, again, doing lots of reading, doing lots of writing. And it was just something I always enjoyed. And so once I got into actual teaching, I was you know, obviously placed in a reading and writing class. And mm-hmm. to be able to get into that and to be able to kind of daily solve the puzzle of how you're going to present material and what material to present has just always been something that kind of just sparks my imagination and gets the juices flowing. So awesome. what about you? So for me, uh, there's actually a few parts that kind of are similar to yours. I, like coming out of high school, I always had this idea that teaching would be really fun for me and went into college, took a few education classes and one way or the other kind of talked myself out of it and decided to do Mm pre-law. But I don't think that was really what I wanted because all the while I was still taking classes that would get me to that certification level for both teaching history and English. Right. And so senior year of college, uh, I was graduating with a bachelor's degree in history and English minor. And I took the uh, LSAT, the law school entrance exam, uh, did okay, got into five different law schools. And I was like, is this really what I want to do with my life? And decided no. So I walked over to the education building at my college campus and asked to speak to the I don't know what you would call it, but the department head or something of the sure. the College of Education, right? And just walked in that day, sat down with her, kind of explained my situation, and was like, "Hey, I'd really like to get into your master's program for education." <laughs> and she's like, "You know, this is the first time this has ever happened, and right. this isn't typically how this works." Right. But we're currently doing interviews, so if you'd like to, like, you can try it. <laughs> and so I said, sure. You know, when, when can I interview? She's like, well, how's like, we're ending tomorrow. So how's tomorrow? I go, well, that's fine. So, yeah. so you know, the next day I, I walked in and it uh, turns out the, my very first professor, my freshman year of college for my first education class was the interviewer. And he mm-hmm. remembered me. Nice. And it was like, Hey, you've come back. I was like, yep. <laughs> and so I, I got my master's in initial teaching, uh, got two certifications, one for history, one for English, uh, and kind of have been teaching both those since. And, and like you, it was like one of those things where it was like kind of in the back of my mind for basically my whole college career. Like I said, I, I'd taken all these classes so that mm-hmm. I could get certified uh, anyway. And once I kind of got accepted and, and started doing this, the education stuff again for my master's program, it just, it, it felt like home. Just like you said, I was like, yep, this is what I, I want to be doing, what I need to be doing. Yep. Um, and have never looked back, never looked back since then. So. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I didn't know you had gotten into that many law schools. That's <laughs> like, here's the climax of Matt's story. Which way is he going? <laughs> Yeah. And it, it felt like that where it's just like a little moment of panic of like, wait, is this really what I want to do? Yeah. Interesting. So. Cool. All right. So kind of transitioning into uh, to Star Wars again. Uh, so how do you use Star Wars uh, in your classroom? And then how did you get started doing that? So this kind of gets into that philosophy of education a little bit where I think that there's this really cool middle ground between 
the teacher introducing something that they love and teaching with that in the class. And it doesn't always work out that way. You take something like grammar that's not very exciting. I, I'm sure there's people who love grammar out there. I get it. But it's one of those things where it's like it's necessary to teach, but it's not what I love doing. Star Wars, I love. And like we were just talking about, it has this great narrative focus of like just efficient, simple storytelling that's really effective. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, if I can find a way to teach narrative with Star Wars, I, I want to do that. And so that's what I did. The first time I kind of introduced using Star Wars was just using the movie as a kind of example of a narrative. And so we mapped it out on a plot map, talked about the rising action, the character beats, you know, kind of who the you know characters were, the characterization, all that kind of stuff, which A New Hope is really effective at. So Absolutely. that was kind of the first instance of it. After that, I kind of transitioned into using Shakespeare Star Wars with a eighth grade classroom as kind of like a small introduction to Shakespeare Shakespearean language, kind of the customs, right? Because reading Shakespeare is a lot different than reading kind of a normal modern text and using that as this kind of a fun break in the year right. and kind of a warm up for what they would be doing and reading as a freshman in high school. Yeah. Uh, how, how about you? Well, let me ask a follow-up question just really quickly. Sure. That year that you started showing Star Wars, how many years in, under your belt did you have? Or did you do that your first year or... Uh, my first year. Oh, right. <laughs> Excellent. Right on. I, I, I knew that this was like something that like I saw the characterization and I, I, I saw how I could yeah. use that as a tool to teach characterization. You just take like Han Solo, for example, right? Yeah. And him and his interactions with Leia, you can very clearly see what kind of a person he is, mm -hmm. right? And the kids recognize that immediately as well. And, um, you know, there's some discussion, I think, of using a movie versus using a, a, a book or, you know, like a, a print text. And I think the advantage of using a movie or a video is that it's very quick. Mm -hmm. You can watch the whole movie, get the whole narrative in roughly two class periods. Whereas with a print text, depending on the length, it could be up to five, six weeks to get through sure. a whole story. So there's just a little bit of economy uh, you know, talking about the the classroom setup and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So what about you, Craig? What, yeah. So you know, when did you start I, using Star Wars? Yeah. The reason I wanted to ask is because I didn't start until my second year. I wasn't brave enough to do it my, my first year, <laughs> but yeah, in my, in my second, in my second year, I, I think that was when I actually, I watched the, uh, the, the legacy revealed documentary uh, on the history mm -hmm. channel um, that talks extensively about the hero's journey and, I may have heard the term before that, but I have no recollection before that. But when I saw that documentary, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much that, you know, I want to learn more about this. And uh, as I started doing research and digging in and uh, got the Joseph Campbell book here with thousand faces and tried to read through that, I'm still honestly, you know, full disclosure, still working through that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like, I need, I need to do this. This is something that I want to spend some time on. And, and I literally started in the fall working on, a PowerPoint that would explain hero's journey to, I had sixth graders at the time because that was what I wanted to the focus of my, I wanted to use star Wars, but I had to have some kind of structure 
uh, how to do that. I couldn't just put the movie on and say, you know, take notes. There had to be, right. had to be something. So um, that was the crux of what I wanted to do was, was explore Luke's hero's journey through episode four for uh, new hope. And then um, I just started going through the internet, trying to find if there was any other ideas about how to use that. And I came across uh, quite a few. Uh, and there was one in particular that um, looked at different technical aspects, um, real super basic, like not a lot of pre-teaching on it. And there's no scaffolding on it, but just like we're looking right. at the visuals, we're looking at the colors, we're listening to the sounds. Uh, and that really started me on the path of let's break it down. Let's do multiple aspects. And uh, I also had the way I had my classroom set up was that I had six groups anyway. I naturally put kids in table groups. And so uh, the curriculum kind of sprung from my seating chart, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's like we're going to do Hero's Journey here. And over here, you're going to do the visuals. And over here, you're going to do the sounds. And over here, you're going to look at the costumes or what have you. Uh, and so over the years, it's just kind of evolved. The first year, uh, we just did A New Hope. Uh, and then at the end, I showed them Empire and Jedi because it was like the last two days of the year. Right. And I always had this as like, this is going to be my carrot. At the end of the year, I'm teaching Star Wars. So no matter what else I have to do this year, I'm showing Star Wars. You know, that's my reward. And then yeah. the following year... I was like, I really want to do something with the prequels. And uh, again, with Hero's Journey, it was like, well, can I, can I do some comparisons between uh, A New Hope and Phantom Menace? And, uh, you know, it, trying stuff out, you never know if it's going to work until you do it. And right. so what I actually did, and I don't know if I've told you this story before, but I found things that rhymed or echoed in the prequels and would intercut stuff together. But kids no. were so lost. They had no idea <laughs> who was who because the timeline was, you know, this is the yeah. 20 years earlier part. Now that's his dad. Um, <laughs> they were totally lost. They were totally lost. And so I kind of just shelved that one for the time. And I think that was right around the time when um, Vader and Son, that comic came out as well. So that was another thing that kind of sparked me on that. But then I had, uh, I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to Full of Sith and Sam Witwer was on and uh, he was talking about a story where he and a buddy had introduced another friend um, to the to Star Wars. They'd never seen Star Wars before. And he mentioned an order in which to view the films that I'd never heard of before. And a lot of a lot of people have probably heard it. Some of our listeners might have heard of it. It's usually called the machete order which excludes Phantom Menace. And so that's, that's bad. But essentially what it is, is it's, you watch episode four, then five, and then you do all three prequels as flashback. And then you do return of the Jedi. And at the time that was the only six movies that there was. And I, that just blew my mind. I'm like, yes, that's, it's going to do exactly what I want it to do. It's going to keep all the reveals in the order that they were originally presented. Right. You still don't know who Yoda is when he first shows up. You still don't know, that Vader is Luke's father until you get to the end of empire. And then you get to see how that progression from little nine-year-old boy to Vader happens. And then you having already set things up with a new hope and empire, you can then while you're watching the prequels, call out those, those rhyming things. This is like this, you know, when he leaves, uh, when Anakin leaves 
Naboo and goes to try and save his mom. That's like Luke leaving Dagobah to try to save his friends on Bespin and those kind of things. Right. So that just continued to evolve. Um, and it has, you know, up until the last time I did it last year, where let's just more clearly define what things we're going to do in each of our aspect groups. Uh, and of course, as you know, and as we've talked about many times, that's what we're really going to focus on. Uh, it's kind of presenting that and sharing more how we have learned how to show Star Wars, how we what we've learned from Star Wars, and how we kind of present that to the kids. Yeah. Which kind of leads us into really our final question. Uh, why did you want to do this podcast? What's kind of motivating you to kind of talk about this and share it? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, the biggest reason that I want to do this podcast, Matt, is because I want to talk to you about Star Wars. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I mean, so many times during prep period, I'd be in your room and we'd just be talking about some random Star Wars thing, or we would talk about something else and then Star Wars would come up and right. we'd spend just a lot of time having really interesting in-depth conversations. And I honestly don't remember who the first one was to say, we should record this <laughs> good stuff here. So I think, you know, it's really, it's, it's mainly that, that I just want to like talk Star Wars and pull Star Wars apart and, you know, look at its guts. But I also, you know, I want to share what we've learned for as far as uh, presenting it in class and how to look at it critically, how to read it as text. Cause I've had some, you know, as part of um, Star Wars in the classroom, I've had some feedback from people who have looked at the lesson plans and emailed back and I know there are people out there that want to use Star Wars or would use Star Wars in a classroom setting if they only knew that there were resources available or that, you know, it's there's a way to justify it, for lack of a better term, that you yeah. can align it to standards. You can make it a rigorous classroom activity yeah. and still have it be super fun and get, you know, massive engagement, even from the most you know, cynical kids. So mm -hmm. I mean, that's really the, the, the whole point of this, I think is really just to kind of share what we know. And, you know, as we go through, I'm sure we'll learn a lot about this yes. as we do it. Cause I mean, we're students of film. We're not film students, but <laughs> you know, every time I watch the movies, I learn something else and looking at them critically in terms of cinematography or set design, I will learn things. And I'm excited mm -hmm. about that too. So what about oh, you? Yeah. It, it's pretty similar uh, for me when this all started. Uh, it kind of, well, I, I guess I should say that it started when I kind of shamelessly stole your work for teaching the movies, uh, which in teaching is, is totally fine. Like, absolutely. And then moving into like, you know, with my full blessing, it, by the way, <laughs> yes, full blessing. there's this, I, you know, I, what I enjoy about teaching is there's this kind of camaraderie, and willingness to be open and share materials. And, and I think the best teachers do this where they say, hey, you know, um, you know, you're you're new or you have never taught this before. Here's what I do. Take my materials, run with it, change it, do whatever you want with it and make it your own. Uh, but there's this openness and willingness to share uh, resources mm -hmm. because in the end, what really matters is the kids, right? And right. so if you have good stuff, you're happy to share it with other teachers because if other people are able to, to make good teaching out of that, that's a net positive for everyone in, in the grand scheme, right? Absolutely. And, and so, you know, when I saw this stuff and I saw how you were teaching movies, 
as text. I was like, that's really cool. I want a part of that. But just with uh, like, you know, teaching in general, you have to be authentic to yourself. And so I took your materials and I made it my own, shared it back with you. You took some of my ideas, ran with some of them, tweaked them, kind of made it your own again. And there's this kind of symbiotic process of coming together and creating this something that's greater than just the two separate parts, right? And so that's, for me, kind of what this podcast is is meant, is my, is my hope is that people will see this and maybe their, their eyes will be open just a little bit to a possibility of, of using movies as text in the classroom to teach and to bring new experiences to kids. I really view teaching as making the invisible visible. And for a lot of students, they have never experienced seeing a movie or any video for that matter as a text and never studied it as we would like a novel. Right. right. And I, I, I get the impression sometimes that when we talk about this, people may think, well, they just show movies in class, which is not true. Right. We are both very big book people. We, we love Absolutely. books. We read full novels in class. We do all that stuff. But I think that with modern classrooms, there's this, there's a little bit of space where, it could be both and, right? We, we read novels and we study film as text. Right. And that speaks, I think, to the, to the modern world, right? It, being real, do my students watch more movies than read books? Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> Most yes. people do nowadays, right? Now there's always exceptions and stuff, but it's like, why aren't we using that and taking advantage of that? Because film is this rich, medium with all sorts of things that you can look at. And so just the opportunity to share kind of what we do and to let people know that there is a way to do this and to really dive deep into this and, and to get more out of film than just watching it or just compare contrast between the book and the movie. Right. Right. Yep. Uh, there, there's so much more and that's kind of what I'm excited to share yeah, and get out you know, into the kind of wider Star Wars community who I'm sure there's plenty of teachers out there, like you said, who would love to teach Star Wars um, or, or incorporate it somehow, but aren't quite sure how. And so just having resources that they can kind of freely use uh, and tweak and make their own. Absolutely. I think that's just such a, a cool and unique opportunity for us uh, to, to kind of share. Yeah, you know, I I suddenly just had a weird flash of of Lando saying to Poe, "There are more of us. There are more of us, Poe." Yes. You know, just to hear like there are people out there that you know that want to teach Star Wars that have taught Star Wars, and just so you don't feel like you're the only one doing it. Because when I started, I thought I was the only one. Right. <laughs> you know, come to find out, there's this you know whole community of educators that want to or have used Star Wars and across across disciplines too you know it's not strictly mm -hmm. an ela thing there's tons of science and math uh I've been physical ed teachers all, everybody's doing it you know across the board so that's exciting so it's gonna yeah. be fun to share that and get the feedback and say yeah well how are you using okay wow i might want to incorporate that uh in my stuff too because this stuff's all fluid i mean it's i don't think right. there's ever been a year where i have not tweaked something yes so and i think that's where the best stuff comes from is yeah. when you take something old and you get feedback, you get more creative input and make it into something better. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us or just say hello, you can find us at coruscantcc.podbean.com, on Twitter at coruscantccpod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash coruscantccpod, or email us at c3podfeedback at gmail.com. Coruscant Community College. Because the Imperial Academy isn't for everyone. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. All names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coruscant Community College unless otherwise indicated. Nothing more will I teach you today. You've taken your first step into a larger world. We will watch your career with great interest. Coruscant Community College, because the Imperial Academy isn't for everyone.